good to be here this morning. Uh, I would like to say thanks to the Lake Oconee Presbyterian Church family, uh, Reverend Marion Clark and Reverend Smith uh, in their absence. Um, I met Reverend Clark at the Central, uh, Central Georgia Presbytery meeting. And so I was there on behalf of RTS Atlanta, representing the seminary, talking about classes and very th- various things that we have to offer. And uh, Reverend Clark and I had lunch amongst some other pastors at a table. And a week or so later, he extended the opportunity to come here and preach. And so um, here I am and uh, definitely thankful and grateful to be here. Um, I want to say thanks to uh, Ken and Marianne Johnson. Uh, they have hosted us this weekend and it has been great and good to see uh, and meet another fellow photographer and He's shown me all of his pictures and, well, not all, but some. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it's just, just, a, we've just had a great time. And so, I'm really delighted to be here. Uh, let's pray as we uh, get into God's word. God, we, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for, um, for Christ and for what Christ means to us. We, we pray that you would uh, use me to communicate your truth to your people. Pray for attentive hearts, um, for for ears that are listening um, to you. Pray, God, that you would um, that everything that's said would would rest upon our hearts and would convict us and would lead us to the cross. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this morning we have a familiar passage. Uh, I'm sure many of Sunday school messages have been taught about. Israel walking around Jericho's wall. I'm sure there's plenty of kids songs to go along with it. And so there, there's a, it's definitely a familiarity with this passage. Um, and to provide a little context, this is, as you look at the book of Joshua, this is their first major battle um, as they're taking the land that God has promised to them. And so um, by the time we get to Joshua 6, Israel has crossed the Jordan River. Um, the, the parted Jordan River, the same way that God parted the Red Sea. And so in his faithfulness, he's performing uh, similar uh, miracles for his people um, to remind them that I'm the same God that delivered your ancestors. And so in a, in a similar display, he did that for them. Um, by the time we get to chapter 6, the men had been circumcised um, because a whole generation prior they were unfaithful. They were complaining with Moses. I mean, they, these were just um, a, a stiff-necked people, and they weren't faithful to teach their children and to um, teach the covenant to their children. And so God had Joshua uh, have the men circumcised, that they would bear the mark of the covenant, that the people would be reminded that they uh, belong to the Lord. And so as they cross the Jordan River, they can see Jericho in, in their sights, they, they've been circumcised, they've been now healed, and so they're now, now's the time. Now's the time to take Jericho. Now's the time to, to seize the things that God has, has brought them to. And so I, I want you to kind of get the feeling of what these men in battle are, are ready to do. The, you know, knives and, and weapons are being sharpened. They, they're ready to, to take the enemy. And then, as we've read and as you know the story, they get some some different instructions from the Lord. And so for them, this is, you know, just think of it in kind of like a Super Bowl moment. This is this is what all you've been working for. You're ready to take, you know, to take the the, the land for the Lord and you get you get some different information. 
And so Joshua, in chapter 5, he, he also uh, had an amazing experience meeting um, the Lord there. The, the, the biblical term or the um, kind of theological term there would be a theophany, um, God appearing uh, to man. And so in chapter 5, just before uh, chapter 6, you see where he meets the commander of the, of the, um, of the Lord's army. And he asks him, whose side are, are you on? He says, neither. I'm, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And so as you see that story end, he's commanded to remove the sandals for, off his feet because he's on holy ground. And so this is another, another uh, moment where God is bringing Joshua um, into his covenant faithfulness in the same way that he did with Moses. And so all these things kind of lead us into this context of Joshua 6. And so the people, they've been hearing about God's faithfulness and how he's going to lead them to take Jericho, and, and they're ready to do that. And so what I want us to do as, as we look at this familiar story is to highlight some observations that uh, will lead to some principles about how we can live victoriously. Uh, I want us to think about it in the context of, of living as a conqueror, um, being more than a conqueror in our lives and the various things that God has has, has called us to. And so um, as we look at verse 1, we see that Jericho was afraid of them. And so you see there it says that Jericho, the walls and gates of Jericho were shut up um, because of the Israelites. No one came in and no one went out. And so in, in one sense, you can kind of say that it, was, it would be an easy battle. It, the, the same might go like shooting fish in a barrel. Now, I've, I've never shot fish in a barrel, so I don't know what that's like, but the, I understand the phrase to mean that this, this is pretty easy. It's an easy catch. And so God has positioned their enemy right where, you know, right where they want them. And so it, they're terrified of Israel. They've heard the record. They, I mean, they're, they're batting down the hatches. They're, they're ready, you know, they're, they're trying to brace for battle. And so then we see in verse 2 the Lord calling Joshua to see something that hasn't happened. He says, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, in verse 2, along with its king and its fighting men. Um, that actually hasn't happened yet, but kind of put a, put a pin there. We're going to revisit that um, shortly. And so as we, as we look at this plan, we see that the, the plan really just seems foolish, to, to be honest. Um, it seems foolish on, on two levels. Having the, the Ark of the Covenant lead them. If you think about war and what you're going to do when you're going to battle, you wouldn't think to put priests and, and uh, a physical representation of your God to, to lead you in battle. That's, that's not typically, when you're thinking about battle strategy, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. But this is what God is calling um, Joshua and, and, and the men of war to do. It, it also seems foolish in that they're not actually fighting. He calls them to walk around Jericho for six days, seven days, actually. And I'm sure in, in the soldiers' minds and the priests' minds, like, what are we doing? We, instead of walking around the walls, let's just take it. Let's just, let's just go in and take it. Why are we wasting time walking around these walls? The amazing thing you see in this passage is that as, as unusual of, of a command that we see here, the people actually do it. I want you to kind of get a sense for how 
for how quiet this text is. When I mean quiet, I mean you don't hear any, but God, you know, you don't hear any complaining or grumbling. You hear God giving a command and the people actually do it. Now contrast that with what you see with Moses. Almost everything Moses did, the people were pushing against him. We, we want meat. We're tired of this manna. We, we want this. We, you brought us out here to die. And so it, everything Moses is doing, he's, he's, he's having to fight with his people. He's going to God like, God, you've given me this, this hard and stiff-necked people. Like, you got to do something. Contrast that with what we see here with Joshua. They're obedient. Joshua, he takes the commands of the Lord. He, he lays it out to the priests and to the men of the army, and they actually obey it. Another thing we want to uh, observation we want to see here is that the only people that knew the day of the battle were the Lord and Joshua. The army and the priests were to faithfully follow Joshua and, and his leadership. He didn't give them the full plan. He told them, you know, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to bring the, the Ark of the, of the Covenant before us. The priests will lead it. We're going to march around the walls of Jericho. He didn't tell them how long they had to do it. He, he just told them this is what we have to do. And I'm sure at some point they probably were wondering, why are we, what are we doing? I, I thought we were taking Jericho. And so these are a few, a few observations uh, I want to look at this morning. So what can we learn? What can we learn about God and ourselves from this familiar story about Israel walking around the walls of Jericho? I think there are three principles that we can get uh, from this story. And the first principle here we see is that we must trust the promises of God. So revisiting verse 2, looking back at verse 2, the Lord says to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. And so he's telling Joshua, see, see that this thing has actually happened. And so if I, if I said to you, see, the Falcons have won the Super Bowl, no matter how much I want that to be true, I have no power on, over making that actually happen. The difference is when the Lord tells Joshua to see, I have given you Jericho, he has the power and the sovereignty to actually make that be true. And in fact, he's, he's actually reminding Joshua of his promises beforehand. And so if you would look at uh, Joshua 1.3, it says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. And so he's reminding Joshua, this is what I've promised to you. Everywhere you set your foot will be yours. And it's actually not even based on you. It's, it's based on previous promises that I've made to Moses and to Abraham and to Isaac. Like, I've been making these promises for a long time. I have a lot at stake here. You can trust that what I'm telling you is true. And so what we see in God's promises is that we must engage in the battles where we have God's promises. There's a lot of battles we can, we can fight in this life, a lot of things that we can take on. But for the Christian, it's, it's safety and taking on the battles where God has promised us victory. And so what, what promises can we trust in? The most important promise is the promise of eternal life. One of the, one of the overarching themes in the book of Joshua is that Joshua leads God's people into victory. In this way, Joshua is, is shown as a type of Christ. 
Joshua's name actually means the Lord saves. Yahweh saves. In Jesus, we see that realized fully. In Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we may be, we must be saved. John 3.16, familiar um, verse for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So where, where will you spend eternity? In Christ, we have the promises of God. God is saying, see, I have given you eternal life. See the forgiveness you have in Christ. See the grace that you can receive in Christ. Romans 10, 11 says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And what we see in the Old Testament and in the New is repeatedly story after story after story of people trusting in the Lord and not being put to shame. Going through different difficult circumstances, nonetheless, trying times, but in the end, we see God delivering his people. And so these, these are the promises uh, we can trust in in the Lord. There, there's plenty of promises in the scripture. It, it would behoove us to, to study his word, to know his promises, and, and as we engage with that, we can find safety and we can engage in battles based on the promises that the Lord has given us. And so as we move on to uh, our next principle that we see in this passage, um, we see that to, in order to live victoriously, we must obey God's command. When, when the Lord gives us a promise, there, there must be an actual realization of that promise. And oftentimes that plan or process involves our obedience. And so in the, in the commands of God, we see that there's, there's a teaching and molding. God is just not in the business of calling us to do something just to be busy. He, just, he doesn't just give you busy work. And so if he's telling you to do something, your obedience to that is progress. There's, there's no stagnant. You're not moving backwards by obeying God's commands. It's always progress and moving forward, even when you don't feel like it. And so as, as we, we look at this story, really the plan for Israel is to walk with God. That's, that's really the, the crux of this passage here, is that he's leading Joshua and the men of the army to walk with him. And so we see in, in, in the Ark of the Covenant, the presence, it represented the presence of the Lord. And so if they were going to lead with the Lord and the Ark of the Covenant and that presence with him, essentially what he's calling his people to do is to walk with him. And so... Uh, as we think about the Bible and, and the overarching uh, context of the scriptures, this has been kind of the plan for God since Adam and Eve, that he would walk with his people. Adam and Eve enjoyed the ability to be able to actually walk and talk with God in a way that we, we haven't had that opportunity yet. And then when you get into Revelation 21.3, it should be no surprise to us that that's, that's, what we're look, that's what we're going towards in the end a situation where we're going to be actually living and dwelling with the Lord, where we can walk with him. Revelation 21, 3 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So this is, this is the aim that God is is laying out throughout the scriptures that he actually wants to be with his people. This, this sets Christianity apart 
from all other religions. Other religions are about what you can do to be with God. Christianity is about what God has done in order that you might be with him. Mark 3, verse 14, says that Jesus selected his 12 disciples that they may be with him. This is, this is the context that God is laying out in Scripture, that he wants to be with us. He created us for, for communion with him. And through sin and through our rebellion, that, that, that keeps us separated. And he's constantly over and over again doing things, setting, setting things in place that we might be with him. And so as we look here to God's plan for Israel, we can look and learn from them in that the plan was to walk with him. God is teaching Israel here that conquering is less about war strategy and more about walking with him. And so, again, this is what we see the Ark of the Covenant uh, symbolizing. He's symbolizing and leading them in the Ark of the Covenant that I have fought your battles and I will fight your battles. So, therefore, we're going to actually march in such a way that that is represented. You're going to lead with priests and the Ark of the Covenant so that you be reminded and so that your enemies will be reminded that I, the Lord, am fighting for Israel. And, that, again, that's an unusual way to go about war strategy, but this is what the Lord is, is impressing upon his, his people. God is also training Israel in this, in this passage to obey him. He's, he's also teaching dependence. He wants them to not be so uh, dependent upon their, their war strategy and, and the tactics and, and how they're going to actually take the enemy. This is why he, he calls for such a long period to walk around Jericho. I want to squeeze out every inch of your dependence on yourself so that you will be dependent on me. Again, the, the battle is really just a context for God to be with his people. And for his people to learn and trust dependence on him. Let's let's be clear. God did not need Israel to defeat Jericho. And in our context today, he doesn't need us to accomplish anything in this life. The things, the issues, the, the situations that we face in life are but a context to walk with the Lord and to get to know him through these various issues. And so I think we can see significance in the seven day time frame. In, in God's sovereignty and his wisdom, we work off of a seven-day uh, time frame. What he instructs Israel to do is to get up every morning and walk with the Lord. I'm sure you see the connection. What we are to do each and every day is to get up and walk with the Lord. And the promise that we see in this text and what we see in our own lives is that the things that need conquering, the things that need defeating, um, the things that we come up against that we need the Lord to win and fight for us, as we walk with him, those things will happen. But if we, we're not walking with him, we're not walking with his people, that won't be the case. And so you, you ask the question, and how were they to walk with the Lord? By following Joshua. And so the, the command for the people were to follow and walk with the Lord by following Joshua. Interesting thing, again, as you see Joshua as a type of Christ here, in Christ, you see two functions brought together. For the Israelites, for the, uh, the, the priests and the men of the, uh, men of the army, they were worshiping the Lord, but following Joshua. In Christ, those things come together. We worship and follow the same person in Christ. And so Joshua serves here 
as again as a as a as a type of Christ leading his people into victory. When it comes to Christ, all those things come together. We actually worship the one that we follow. And so Israel, they carried a physical reminder of their presence of the Lord by faith through salvation and through God's spirit in us. We get to carry um, God with us and we carry the reminder of the gospel that God has saved us and we follow Christ daily. So, again, there's something to be said um, about the fact that there's an army. I think one of the things we see here is that God wants us to walk with him in unity. He doesn't call each and every one of the members of the army to individually, one by one, walk around the walls of Jericho. That, that would look silly, and it would open yourself up to attack. If, if Jericho knew that there's just one person walking around, they'd just go out there and, and kill him. But it's a bit different when you have an army walking around your walls. It's, it's hard to defeat that, especially when it's an army and the Lord is on the side of the army. That should communicate to us that as we walk with the Lord, we should walk with the Lord in unity. What, what difference, think about your area here in Lake Oconee, what difference will be made in this, in this town, in this city, if the people knew this church to be unified and to walk with the Lord in unity? Not, not knowing your story, your situation much. I trust that there is some unity there, um, some unity here, but I, I would charge you to pursue that more, whether it's coming to service on, on Sunday morning, Sunday schools, Bible studies, somebody's having a cookout, somebody's watching a game, even if it's the, the sports that you don't like or the teams that you don't root for. Create context where you can get together and be with the Lord's people. That's only going to strengthen what you have together. And, and as we do that more and more, when tragedies come, when things happen, there's a, there's a tight-knit situation that we have together that would allow us to overcome these situations. The problem is, often what happens is that people find themselves kind of isolated and segmented away from God's people. Be clear, there's no one living a victorious life separated from God's people. It's, it's actually the opposite. You're, you're being... Um, attacked constantly and you have no defense when it's just you alone and, and you don't have God's people around you. And so I think it's, again, there's something to see here that, that there's an army that's, that's making this attack, not just one person. And so the plan and the details that we see here to, given to Joshua point to a greater spiritual reality. God is saying, if you walk with me, I will fight your battles. But the, the condition there is that, that you walk with me. And it, I don't have any, any promises for you if you, you're walking outside of my will, if you're walking away from me. But as you walk with me, I, I, I'll have your back. And so we walk, with, we walk with the Lord again by following Christ. You meet Christ at the cross. This is where our journey begins. We meet him at the cross, and, that, and that's, that's setting that's setting us free. Christ sets us free so that we would walk with him. And we see that's the same thing the Lord did with Israel. He set Israel free from bondage in Egypt that they would walk with him. Jesus promises that he would never leave us, and, and we can depend on that. We can trust that. Again, we can trust the promises of the Lord that he gives to us because he has kept his word. No one can, can make a charge against the Lord that he hadn't kept his word. He's, he's perfect in that regard. And so we can trust him um, with, the, with our lives. 
And so as we walk with the Lord, undoubtedly there will be times where we step away from the Lord. We sin. We, we find ourselves off the path. When we get back on the path and walk with the Lord again, that process is called repentance. And so as we engage with this over and over again with the Lord, I'm walking with him. I take an exit ramp off into a place that I shouldn't go, and I get back on track with the Lord. You're doing this repentance and and walking with him over and over and over again. There comes a point where you can be tempted to be tired of, of doing this. This is why. Uh, perseverance is needed for the battle. This is our our third and and final principle I think we can see in this passage is that perseverance is needed for the battle. I I think it's important that we note that Joshua did not reveal the full plan uh, to the army and to the priests. I'm sure for for the men of the army, this felt like an eternity. Again, they they had no clue of when it was going to actually happen. They get up. They walk, march down to Jericho, march around the wall, and they go back home. And they get up, and they do the same thing the next day. And they go back home, and they get up, and they do the same thing the next day. And they do this for six days. Now, for us, we can kind of look at that and say, you know, it was a week, so, you know, it wasn't, wasn't that long. It was just, set, you know, seven days. But put yourself in the minds of a soldier that every day you're, you're on guard, like, this could be the day. You know, we're following Joshua. We're following the commands of the Lord. This could be the day. Is, is this the day? No, it's not today. Okay. And at some point, I'm sure in some of their minds, they're like, is this going to happen? What are we doing? Why are we walking around the wall? Why don't we just take the wall? Why don't we just take Jericho? And this is where perseverance is needed. Perseverance is defined as persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Success. We need perseverance because walking is not running. Walking is slow. It's slower than running. There will be times where we will want to run and the Lord will say walk. There will be some times where we don't want to walk and the Lord will say walk. And the point of this is that there, wherever we find ourselves, however our personalities are wired, there's going to be a time where you're not going to do what you are called to do in walking with the Lord, and, that, and that's exactly what you need to do. And that's where we need perseverance um, to, to, to withstand. And so we need perseverance because the plan of, of God, the plan that God has laid out for us, it can seem slow and it can seem stupid. In fact, the world will tell you as much. The world will tell you that what you're doing is stupid. You're wasting your time following the Lord in this manner. When I think of Israel walking around the walls of Jericho, I'm reminded of the movie The Karate Kid, the, the original one, not you know all the other ones, they, the 10 or 15 that they made after that, but the original Karate Kid. And so you have this guy, Daniel. He's seeking to learn karate. He, he will eventually, you know the story, he's going to get in a tournament. He's going to win. And he meets Mr. Miyagi, and they set up an agreement for him to learn uh, karate. And so in, in that process, for Daniel, it's, it's karate, but it's also something deeper than that. He's, he's, he's wanting this for, um, for confidence, for achievement. Like he's, he's seeking to answer some deep questions about himself by, by learning 
um, this fighting style of, of karate. And so, you know, the story, Mr. Miyagi has him, you know, washing his car and, and scrubbing floors and painting fences, but he's doing it with a particular technique. But in Daniel's mind, I'm just, I'm just doing your chores. Like we, and so there's a pivotal moment in the movie where he, he lays a claim against Mr. Miyagi that, man, you, this is a sham. This is a waste of time. All I've done is just do chores for you. And this is free labor. So I, I quit. I'm out. And so like Daniel, when it, becomes, when it comes to the things of the Lord, we get to a point where we want to quit and we want to check out because we don't see the results. We, we feel like we're doing these things for the Lord and nothing is happening. And so as you, as you know the story, Mr. Miyagi has him recall each one of those techniques, whether it's, you know, wax on, wax off, or paint the fence, and, you know, all those things you see him doing, and, and the light bulbs are going off because he's realizing, yes, I've been doing chores, but you've actually been teaching me defense strategy within, within karate. And so as, as we parallel that to, to us, we see the things that the Lord calls us to do Oftentimes they feel like we're just painting a fence. It just feels like it's just paint on the wall and we're just, we're just doing this thing. Nothing is happening. It feels totally unrelated to what we want to actually happen. But in, in the Lord, there's always process. There's, there's progress. There's always, you're always moving forward. And so we can trust what the Lord is calling us to do is actually moving us forward. Because it's the Lord that promises that he has the battle for us. And so, again, we, 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 we want to give up on God because we missed the timing. Um, but we, we must trust the Lord's timing. Daniel, Daniel in this movie, The Karate Kid, he thought there was a better way. And so you, you kind of, as you watch the movie, you see the contrast. Like he's painting fences and waxing cars and there's an actual set of guys in a, in a, in a gym and they're, you know, chopping blocks and, do, you know, they're doing all the karate stuff. And, and I'm sure in Daniel's mind, it's like, I, I'm wasting time. I could just, instead of painting your cars, I could actually go learn karate. And again, in, in, in the Christian world, we, we see that play out. We see um, these things that the Lord calls us to do as anti what we actually want to happen, whether it's um, gaining, you know, in, in our finances or gaining us, getting a spouse or, just whatever it is that we have in our lives, we look out and we see people in the world actually doing those things. And we look at God and I'm like, God, you want me to read your word, but I'm, I want this. Like, okay, just, just go get that. If, if the things that we want in this world are, are those things, you can actually just go get them. Just go be like the world and just go get them. But what you miss, again, which I think is the, the context of this passage, the, the point of this passage, is that you miss walking with the Lord. If you're only coming to the Lord so that you gain a spouse, you miss walking with the Lord through that situation. If all you come into the Lord for is, is money or, or whatever it is that you think he provides for, you actually miss walking with him. So, again, the context for Israel wasn't the battle. He promised to Joshua in verse in verse two that I've given you the battle. That Don't worry about the battle. We got that. What I want you all to focus on is walking with me. That's actually the fight. The fight for us is to get up every morning and walk with the Lord. And we walk with him because we trust his promises. And trusting in his promises gives us fuel, gives us perseverance to continue 
to walk in obedience with him. And as we walk in obedience, we see, as you keep reading in this passage, you see victory. And you see that over and over and over again. And we see Christ ultimately coming and fulfilling that obedience for us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for how it calls us to walk with you. Thank you that you promise, you promise victory for us and you, you accomplish that victory in Christ. Thank you for the story of Joshua and Israel and how it points to our need and our, our, um, yes, our, our need to walk with you daily. God, I pray that you would equip us to, to walk with you daily. I pray that you give us perseverance to walk with you daily, that, that everything that we do will be framed by that. Encourage us, Lord, who have been walking with you for a long time. Maybe, uh, maybe we're ready to give up. But God, I pray that your word and your people and your spirit would encourage us to keep going, even when it seems like there's no progress. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.